Hi, this is Jan Miyazaki, the host of the Wednesday 8 o'clock buzz. Thank you for tuning into WORT. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a donation at wortfm.org slash donate. Twelve minutes after eight, and joining me is Jeffrey Charlotte. And Jeffrey Charlotte is an award-winning journalist and author. He is an expert on the far right. He is a professor of English and creative writing at Dartmouth College, and the author of the Undertow Scenes from a Slow Civil War, the book written, he says, from the middle of a season of coming apart. He says that Trumpism has gotten more fascistic in the last four years, and as Trumpism has gotten more fascistic, so has Trump. Charlotte describes a frenzy and undertow of violence taking place at Trump rallies. He says there's a violent festivity to it. Trump fans relish Trump's rudeness, giving permission to feel that level of anger, and that permission structure is incredibly empowering. So it's just really great to have Jeff Charlotte um, on the buzz this morning for our Madison area listeners. Good morning, Jeffrey Charlotte. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know where I want to start is just what's on your mind now, and then I want to kind of turn to your book and what you found um, in when you uh, undertook your investigation. Um, but what are you paying attention to now? I know this past um, day we had the Nevada Republican primary. You know, I I I am guilty of trying to just tune out any th- time. You know, there's uh, Mr. Trump's on television and I know that's a bad idea what are you paying attention to you know I, I I'm not paying attention to uh, the primary elections and the horse race coverage which I, I interpret as what you know what I think of as reassurance narratives and there's ways in which uh, the press but not just the press just everyday folks tell ourselves well this is okay and that's how we sort of normalize things versus looking at the border where uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has decided to play chicken with civil war. Uh, and it's posturing, to be sure. Uh, there's, there's, there's no question that he does not intend for violence to break out. But he's put all the ingredients for that to happen in place, lining up whenever you have uh, multiple uh, <laughs> armed forces with guns, with live ammo, staring at each other, Um, the way I describe so much of what I encountered in the book, traveling around the country for the undertow, and the way I think of the moment is it's easy to tell ourselves, well, look, nothing really, really horrific has happened, many bad things. But it's like we're we're striking matches and flicking them into dry grass, and the flames haven't caught yet, so we tell ourselves this game is okay to keep playing. You know, people are saying, well, maybe, you know, He'll, he'll just go away, but that really won't matter because Trumpism is here and it has gotten more fascistic and will survive, correct? And that's what's really frightening. So tell us more about about Trumpism and what you found. Is, what, what did you set out to do in the undertow? Well, I've been, I've been covering the right for about 20 years and, and, and in the United States and around the world and various right-wing movements. And originally the book was going to be, the undertow spoke to the sort of the 10 years um, uh, of, of the, the teens, uh, a decade of, of, of coming apart, and to look at some of the forces that were, were pulling us uh, apart. Uh, the book changed on January 6, 2021, when, like so many people, I was 
watching it and we saw almost real time a a 30 something year old white woman named ashley babbitt uh, a military veteran and she's an insurrectionist she's leading a charge climbing up through a broken window to attack congress members not unarmed as was frequently claimed but carrying a knife which is on the cover of the book actually and uh, a police officer shot her and she's a white woman the police officer is a black man and i knew that this was the sort of the oldest story this is the lynching story in america and sure enough uh within hours uh the right was turning that into a story of innocent white womanhood killed by a black man and 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 speaking in terms of lynching so that was the transformation by which i think trump trumpism um already extremely dangerous suddenly had its effective martyr and it, it enters into an age of martyrs um, and that's, that was the last ingredient we needed for a full-fledged, a full-fledged fascist movement in the historical sense. And I know a lot of people say, oh, you, you just call whatever you don't like fascist. There, there's, there are definitions. There are scholars. So I consulted those folks. And then I also went out into the world and consulted everyday people. And I think that's what we're facing. You know, the, um, it, it's hard to, to understand this cult of personality and celebration of violence, though. Well, I'm glad you called it a cult of personality. That's one of the, the key ingredients of fascism. And, you know, uh, plenty of, uh, of, of lefty friends who said, well, the United States has always had fascism. No, we've always had various right-wing authoritarian movements, but there's more than one kind of bad under the sun. When Trump comes down that golden escalator in 2015, remember, uh, announcing his election, um, he's bringing with him a fascist aesthetic, and I think that's important for people to understand. Um, it's an aesthetic. The question would, would it be received? And the first rally I attended, I write about in the book, was in Youngstown, Ohio, a very broken down steel town. And uh, yes, it was received. And what was fascinating to me was received by people who knew better. I remember talking to some, some, some union folks who are saying, why do you like Trump? Says, well, he, he promises to bring back the steel mills. And I said, you think he can do that? He said, no, we know he can't do that, but at least he'll, he's willing to lie to us. Um, they were exhausted and looking for a story. Now, I want to be careful here because then people say, well, wait a minute, are you doing that thing and saying it's class, not race? The answer of whether or not it's class or race is yes. There's an intersectionality to fascism as well. It attacks on all fronts. Um, and I think that is where we need to push back on all fronts. You know, circling back to, you know, you, you um, identified Ashley Babbitt. Can you say more, you know, your book being described as this expedition into the heartland of the far right. What, what has happened to her memory, the, the Ashley Babbitt um, story? Yeah, so the title I say the book, The Undertow, is, is about a third of the book. I decided to go out to Sacramento, California, where her mother, Mickey Whithoff, who, was, who herself has become kind of a martyr in the movement, was holding a rally and, and uh, uh, asking for justice for Ashley. Um, the rally itself devolved into a brawl between Proud Boys and Antifa, um, but I started to get a sense of the creation of a martyr myth. And, and so I traveled around the country, both trying to understand who the, the actual person was, just an ordinary person, Ashley Babbitt, and who the imagined Ashley Babbitt was. So you have the actual person, um, and I think it's important for people to remember, no one's born a fascist. Um, Ashley Babbitt was uh, 
up until Trump, a Democratic voter. Her second favorite president was Obama. She served many years in the military. Uh, she didn't get far in the military. Much was made after her death by liberals sort of saying, ha, ah, what a loser this person was. She didn't get far in the military because she was the kind of person who'd always stand up against officers uh, who were berating other enlisted personnel. Um, she was in debt. No honest person could pay. She didn't understand that. She lacked the language. And there's this turning point, I find, for her. She's living in Southern California a place that has an overwhelmingly houselessness problem, right? And she tries to be compassionate, but she doesn't really understand how it's happening. One day, a houseless man defecates on her front lawn, and it's just a hinge for her. She decides, this is where I come to the metaphor of the undertow. Instead of swimming against the current, instead of saying, how do we imagine a better world, she gives in to her anger, her hate, and she just leans back and lets that current take, take her and... Trump is right there. This is 2016 saying, validating that anger and saying that that anger, that's actually a form of love. And it makes her a very violent character, but it also makes her this sort of ideal martyr for this movement. One of the things that was really fascinating to watch happening, fascinating and horrifying, uh, Ashley Babbitt, 30-something, um, uh, about 125 pounds, the very day they started de-aging her and making her smaller to make her a more innocent white uh, white woman. They say, oh, she was she was in her 20s. She was about 115 pounds. No, she was 16, just a 16-year-old girl, uh, 110 pounds, till one man who was arrested for seeking to kill the officer who had shot her said, I was fighting for her because she was just a little girl. And they're, they're creating an innocence myth. And this is part of how fascism works is constantly has to create, construct a myth of itself as innocent and in need of vengeance at the same time. So, you know, we, we don't hear about her often in the mainstream media, and yet she's pretty central to the message um, in the, amongst the right. What other things do we need to know? And, and I, it's this, how do you, when, when you're, you know, learning this, observing it, what are you thinking? I mean, so what I decided to do from Sacramento, I decided to drive east and kind of follow follow the martyr myth and and also sort of speak to January 6th insurrections along the way and speak to everyday people. Uh, I had been hearing, as someone who reports on the right for a long time, I'd been hearing that civil war rhetoric, but it had always been fringe until the spring of 2021. And then I started noticing that historians and political scientists were starting to talk about the conditions of civil war. And uh, I'm married to a historian. I know that historians must, by definition, be cautious. They know that history does actually usually move slowly with inertia. And if they were speaking these terms, I wanted to find out how everyday people were experiencing it. So I would travel and I would say, I would ask this question about you know, are you afraid of civil war? Do you think civil war is coming? And there was only two versions of yes. That's all. That was the only answer. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I look forward to it. Or yes, it's a shame, but it has to happen. I didn't go looking for these folks. I just drove and stopped and talked to everyday people. And that fear was there, and the guns were there. More guns than I'd ever seen in all my decades of reporting around the United States. There's 400 million guns in civilian hands in the United States. Now, you're in Wisconsin. I'm in Vermont. These are both well-armed states. Most people in both states 
are not automatically afraid of guns, but this was a different thing. This was guns in churches, guns in restaurants, open carry, uh, talk of uh, uh, talk of forming militias, churches forming their own militias. I went to two mega churches that each had their own militias. At the second in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, they they had gunmen take me out. I hadn't done anything. I'd asked politely asked questions didn't matter. There were no more asking questions. They said, we are past the time of questions. Were were all the folks that you encountered white? No, and I think this is important. Uh, uh, I I quote in the book uh, uh, my friend, the great scholar Anthea Butler, uh, who is a historian of the black church who then wrote a, a very short, sharp, and brilliant book called White Evangelical Racism. And white evangelical racism, she writes about what she calls the promise of whiteness. And I think this is one of the innovations. I hate to use that word with a positive connotation. One of the innovations of contemporary fascism is through the promise of whiteness, it is able to exert a gravitational pull on people of color. At that first rally for Ashley Babbitt in Sacramento, uh, more of the speakers were people of color than not. Uh, Many of the Proud Boys were people of color. Um, and if this seems kind of paradoxical to you, you then get to the churches. And I think of that church in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, a white pastor named Hank Kuhneman, who is in many ways openly white supremacist. Uh, every sermon has to have something about Black Lives Matter and how much he hates it. At the same time, he claims to be, as a white man, a black preacher. He's doing blackface. He's doing a minstrel act. And yet it's working for some people. His church is more diverse than most liberal liberal Protestant churches I've been to. Um, and I think that is one of the terrifying moments. And as, as we look ahead, I mean, we can also just look at plain old polling numbers. Uh, Trump has now pulled ahead uh, in support amongst uh, Latino people. He is getting unprecedentedly high GOP numbers amongst almost every demographic. Um, and I think that, 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 compels us to look at the way that white supremacy can seduce and fool everyday people into thinking that they can have a piece of that of that movement. So, you know, I don't know if you come with any solutions to your story, but you do, I think you're telling us to not ignore this um, and that this is way too dangerous to... Um, castaway is simply the other. Well, you know, some of the heroes of the book are there in Wisconsin, actually. Um, uh, the penultimate chapter of the book, I happened to be in Wisconsin when uh, Roe fell. And, uh, and of course, the Wisconsinites know that Wisconsin was in that sort of peculiar position of reverting to 19th century law and, and uh, what exactly is happening here? And a friend of mine was in a fertility clinic at the time, and the doctor comes in and says, we have to stop treatment. I'm not sure if what I'm doing is legal anymore. Um, and so I decided to drive around Wisconsin and just talk to folks, mostly folks who were excited about the fall of Roe, uh, violently excited. But in Black River Falls, Wisconsin, I met a group of young people, and they did give me uh, some some hope. There was uh, a young woman, a uh, very, very small person. <laughs> I know I said that about Ashley Babbitt, but uh, this woman, Maddie, is under five feet tall, and yet there she is standing on the bridge over the Black River with a sign that says, your misogyny is showing, and people are driving by and honking. And then there in Madison, if people don't know Black River, 
Black River Falls. It is not Madison. It is not Milwaukee. It is not the liberal Wisconsin. And the local, a local town preacher, big guy, comes and towers over her and shouts at her, and she stands her ground, and she's joined by a group of friends, teenagers, young high school students, college students. Uh, I will note that it's uh, all women or uh, queer men, and uh, <laughs> you notice who isn't showing up. But they stood there and they protested. And then, you know, I, I stood there with them. And later we, we all sat down and we talked. And there's a, a, a fear and a hope in what they said. I said, you know, I've been traveling around the country and I hear all these people talking about civil war. And these were straight-laced kids. These were not radical kids. They were student body presidents and band members and so on. This in a very small town. And they said, yes, we know. And we're ready. We're ready for this civil war now that's heartbreaking on the one hand um and on the other hand there's some hope in which they're saying i'm not waiting for someone to come and save me we're going to save ourselves and that's a little bit of the spirit i think we all have to have we can't say oh you know what the youth will save us we can't say you know what changing demographics will change us that attitude that those young kids in Black River Falls, Wisconsin had, that we need to save ourselves, and we're going to do it. Well, I'm speaking with Jeff um, Charlotte. He uh, is the author of The Undertow, um, the, uh, how would, the um, uh, uh, Scenes from a Slow Civil War. Jeff Charlotte is a award-winning journalist, a professor of English and creative writing at Dartmouth College, an expert on the right wing, a contributing editor at Vanity Fair. It's just great um, to have you on. That went by so fast. I have more questions, but I have to say so long. So I would really direct folks to to um, uh, reading whatever Jeff Charlotte is writing about and thinking about and check out um, the book. You know, I know you're a journalist, so you don't make recommendations. Um and I don't want to reduce everything you learn to something we must know. But if I put you in that spot, what must we know in what we are facing um, in this um, season of um, coming apart? I think this speaks to the, 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 the first lie of fascism is inevitability. And it can build up this, this idea that we can't stop it. It's never inevitable. The history of fascism is filled with movements that didn't make it. They weren't Germany. They weren't Italy. We can beat it. But the first delusion of liberalism is it can't happen here. Uh, so we can't give in to any of it. We can't give in to the lie or we can't give in to delusion. It doesn't have to happen. It can happen. But that means we can stop it. Oh, you remind me, Jeffrey, Charlotte, would you, folk listeners, check out, if you haven't, um, the interview you did on Democracy Now!, responding to some of the chatter at Davos, and the idea of considering how to prosper under fascism. That's We need to talk again, but I urge folks to um, check out that interview. Um, hey, thank you for joining me this morning. It was great to thank talk you. with you. Uh, Jeffrey, you. Charlotte. Hey, it's 